Yelich sends one to right center and deep. Get up! Get up! Get out of here and go! For Yelich! He has tied the game with a booming home run. He got it all. Tied up 4-4 on a big home run the pitch. Ryan Braun sends it to right center and deep. Get up! Trevor, he is a host of the Packers Trilogy podcast. He can be found on Twitter at Bender underscore Trevor. He's off playing Adventure Man already here on this Friday Eve or Thursday night, in case you were wondering what on earth that meant. But out doing like a, a kayaking camp out overnight in the wilderness, get up and go again the next morning type of deal. So best of luck to him in this heat. He didn't seem too concerned about it when I mentioned that to him, but Hopefully he survives this weekend and doesn't die of dehydration because that would not be good for, for my morale for any, or for anybody's morale in that standpoint. But today we have the Red Series recap. I will have Robin of Wisconsin Sports Heroics joining me to elaborate a little bit more on the series. So I'm going to quickly get into the game recaps here. Game one was a 5-1 Brewers victory. That was a bounce back start for Adrian Hauser, went five and a thirds inning, allowed just one earned run, and that came in the second inning when he initially walked Tucker Barnhart, who then, of course, came around to score later in the inning due to a Kyle Farmer double and then a Shogo Akiyama single that came on the seventh pitch of that at bat. And then to really kill the rally, Kyle Farmer was picked off of third base by Omar Narvaez. Who He caught him napping. It was a great play by Narvaez. That allowed Hauser then to pitch to the pitcher to get on and out of that inning. In the fourth inning, Avi Garcia had a leadoff homer to tie the game. That pitch came off of Sean Doolittle, who in the inning replaced Sonny Gray, who during warm-ups indicated that he needed to be pulled from the game with an injury. It was later revealed that that was a groin injury, but man, was that a lucky break for the Brewers because... Gray had struck out five Brewer batters through three innings of work until that point. He looked dialed in, and the Reds' bullpen did not. In the fifth inning, Hendricks was wild for the Reds. Luis Sirius drew a leadoff walk, advanced to second on a wild pitch, and then on ball four, Dan Vogelbach was another wild pitch, so Urias advanced to third base. After that, Yelly grounded in a double play, but as I mentioned, gets an RBI there, so Urias scores and makes it 2-1. to one. And things really remain quiet after that in this game until the 7th and ninth innings. Obviously, Garcia had an infield hit for an RBI. That played it around in the 7th. And then in the ninth, Travis Shaw came up with some timely hitting, a nice two-out, two-RBI double to make it 5-1. to one. Brewers did get some nice defensive contributions in this game. Yelly had a diving catch early on. Travis Shaw threw out Kyle Farmer 
uh, at first base from his knees. That was in the middle part of the game. But there were some blemishes too. Avi Garcia allowed Nick Castellanos to get a double because he lazily threw the ball into the infield from his knees. Uh, but otherwise, it was a good overall game for the Brewers. Not their cleanest, but good enough to extend the winning streak to five games, which would eventually be snapped in game two then when we lost seven to three. Really weird start to this game. Luis Urias was hit by the first pitch of the game. And eventually, as he moved to third base, he scored off a buck. So you don't see that sequence very often. The bottom of that inning, uh, Brett Anderson on the mound started off with three tough defensive plays. And that, I think, really set the tone for the game. To begin, Jesse Winker reached on an infield hit as Vogelbach and Anderson didn't communicate who was going to get the ball and who was going to cover first base. Then the next play, Brett Anderson fields a grounder that was right back at him. And he threw it right at Dan Vogelbach's feet, gets charged with an E1. And then, of course, in typically how it works, baseball fashion, the next play later, obviously Garcia missed a sliding catch in the outfield, so the ball goes all the way to the wall. And Brewers end up giving up two runs in the first inning. It was not an ideal start, and it really only got worse. In the second inning, Travis Shaw sustained a shoulder dislocation when he dove for a grounder. With his glove, his glove arm was fully extended, and it appeared that he just jammed his shoulder hard when he landed. He was in a ton of pain, you could see it, and eventually was escorted off the field by the athletic trainers and replaced in this one. After that, and or after Anderson was done pitching, Eric Lauer came in. He struggled with command, walked four batters in four innings, but at least he only allowed two reds to score. Uh, so this still made it seven to two, and really, despite a four for day, four for four day from Willie Adamas, the Brewers did not have it in this one. Uh, Dan Vogelbach did get a solo homer in the ninth inning. That's how we got our third run. Uh, but you know, it's just kind of a shame that this Willie Adamas four hit game gets lost in a in a dud of a game, which is really weird because it's Willie Adamas's second four hit game as a Brewer. You, that, that's some pretty wild stuff right there. Game three. In the rubber match, it's the theme of the Brewers' season, 7-2 victory on Thursday day. <laughs> this one started at like 11.30, so if you you know work weird hours or don't have to work in the middle of the day, maybe you got to watch it. Not the case for me, um, but I'll try and summarize as best I can here because the offense exploded pretty much in the later half of this game. The early part was Peralta versus Castillo. That was a nice showdown. Both pitchers surrendered an early run in the early part of the innings. And then Peralta's shut gets cut short by a 37-minute rain delay. And the Brewers are like, yep, you're done. But the Reds stuck with Castilla after that. And at one point, including after the rain delay, he had retired 14 Brewers in a row at one point. But the sixth inning is when we finally got to him. Dan Vogelbach drew a one-out walk. Avisil Garcia racked up his pitch count with a 10-pitch at bat, in which he eventually, yes, did strike out, but that forced Castillo out of the game. The Reds brought in Lucas Sims, and Willie Adamas immediately greeted him with an RBI ground route double, and then Jace Peterson, clutch Jace, came up with a two-run RBI bloop single to make it 4-2 Brewers. In the seventh inning, Dan Vogelbach homeward for the second game in a row to make it 6-2, and then in the eighth inning, Jace Peterson recorded his third RBI of the day to make it 7-2. to two, And that's where this game would stand. Well, Robin, the Brewers had to overcome a bit of adversity in the Shaw injury, a rain delay on Thursday's finale. But ultimately, we get the series win, taking two out of three. What were your main takeaways from this series here? 
My main takeaways are that unless Freddie, Woodruff, or Corbin are on the mound, things will be very interesting <laughs> um, with our starting pitchers. Uh, Hauser pitched really well, uh, which was nice to see. It's been a while since he's even made it five innings. Anderson had a really tough outing uh, for him, which was surprising because he owned the Reds last year. But for the most part, our bullpen was solid, especially Brent Suter. Uh, coming in today after the rain delay to pitch, I think it was three, two or three very strong innings, uh, four strikeouts in that time. So pitching is solid, and uh, the offense is, is coming around this it's such a fun team to watch, but more so when you know that the offense is going to put runs on the board. Absolutely. I, I think you nailed it right on the head. Like, bullpen was huge, and everybody's been given Suter, it feels like, crap this year because like, he's been put in some tough situations and maybe hasn't delivered like he has in, in years past. But like you said, Brett Anderson struggled. He, he generated all the ground balls. They were just hitting the right spots where we, it was tough plays or couldn't make them. And then Freddie Peralta, like we said, the rain delay. And I'm really mad that that ruined his streak of seven plus Ks in a start to to begin and a year. That's that's just so anytime frustrating. you're on a list with Randy Johnson, you know you're in good company. And I was really hoping he would get a little closer. But yeah, I think that Suter has been getting a lot of undeserved criticism I, I know his era is close to four if it's not over four but a lot of those runs came from like two or three outings and i feel like he's pitching almost every day so more often than not you're gonna get a scoreless outing from him yeah it does feel like he is being used a lot in a rain delay situation i think you know we extend him out most of the time that's a good spot for for him to come in afterwards and i'm not mad for pulling freddie after the rain delay you want to protect your starter and don't want to risk an injury. So I agreed with the call there. And I think a lot of other people kind of had the same thoughts on the starters throughout this series as well, because there was the news in the minor leagues anyway, that Aaron Ashby is being promoted to AAA to serve in the bullpen role, which is very similar to what Corbin Burns and Brandon Woodruff went through. And everyone's like, are they sure they don't want to bring him up to the starting rotation this year? I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? I think that there's a really big difference between a big league hitter and a triple-A hitter. As we have seen very recently uh, from some players that a lot of Brewer fans might deem quadruple-A players, such as Keston Hira and Elcides Escobar, where they rake down in the minors but struggle to hit major league pitching. I also saw that Ashby struggled in his first inning out of the bullpen which is exactly why they made that transition uh, before calling him up, because it is a very different game pitching out of the bullpen instead of starting. He's also incredibly young. There's no need to rush him to the majors. I think that is the mistake that they made with Keston Hira, which is why we're seeing what we're seeing. Because, you know, worst case scenario, he gets so good he comes up and he's and he's and he gets so good that they stick him in a starting role next year and we have corbin burns 2019 2.0 on our hands so it's a good thing you know uh bring him up slow let his first uh dance up here be out of the bullpen and then put him back down there and let him continue to develop 
Yeah, I agree. And I think it might have been Corbin Burns, I believe, when he was doing this role. Like, he struggled in AAA, like, before, you know, obviously the 2019 struggles. But they were more just focused on his stuff and him getting comfortable out of the bullpen. And maybe you could give kind of the same treatment with Ashby. We saw what he did in spring training. Obviously, spring training, we know he's got really good stuff. Um, but he's definitely not near the level of, of Corbin Burns in terms of potential, I think. I think he can be a really fine player, but at this time, they're not quite the same. No, and that's no knock to Aaron Ashby to say you're no Corbin Burns is not an <laughs> insult anymore. Yeah, absolutely, because Cy Young Award winner Corbin Burns this year. That's yeah. what we're talking about. <laughs> that's right. Woodruff next year, Peralta 2023. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if Peralta maybe sneaks in a few votes this year. I Everyone's saying, ah, oh, a couple years from now. Why not this year? Get a couple votes anyway. I, I wouldn't rule it out. No, I wouldn't either. Uh, you know, he's got something going for him that Burns and Woody don't, and that's wins. Not that wins are the best pitcher statistic, but unfortunately for Cy Young voting, it does help. Most years, not all, as Jacob deGrom has shown <laughs> recently and uh, Felix Hernandez showed a few years ago, but they do help. But his ERA is fantastic. His strikeouts, of course, are incredibly high. And if it wasn't for that Jacob deGrom guy, he would probably be leading the league in strikeouts per nine innings. <laughs> yeah, that's that's true. I want to back up. You mentioned, you know, the difference between, you know, your... AAAA players, it feels like, and Keston here and the switch to the major leagues. And Hero's demoted again at the beginning part of the series. And that kind of leaves the Brewers in this little conundrum, I'm going to call it, at first base. Like, what do you do? You have Dan Vogelbach, a left-handed hitter. You have Travis Shaw, who's now out with a shoulder dislocation for who knows how long. What on earth is going to happen at that position? Um, they traded or got rid of Billy McKinney too, who was an option as well. Uh, Daniel Vogelbach has been hitting much better lately. I knew, like, last year he came here and he hit over 300, slapping the ball the other way, which was amazing to see from a guy his size. And you knew that coming into this year that he was not going to hit 300 because that's just not the kind of player he is. However, what I have been happy with is that his strikeout numbers are, are down from what they usually are and that he's still trying to slap that slap the ball. He's not getting power hungry, and he has he'd been hitting better lately. The balls are falling for him finally. I feel like this early slump that he was in was, was a lot of bad luck, but I think his luck is starting to turn. And most of the pitchers that they're going to see, at least starting-wise, are right-handed. So that gives them some security with Vogelbach, at least starting games at first base. Um, I still don't feel comfortable with him starting against left-handed pitching. And when a left-handed reliever is brought in, that is where you start to see some, some issues, some trouble you might have with that. There are a couple of options that they have. They could... I don't know if Manny Pena has ever appeared at first base. I feel like I've seen him over there before. Um, and he could spell late in games if it's an offensive thing just to get a right-handed batter in there. I think also Jace Peterson has uh, played first before. Uh, he's not my favorite um, 
option there, but he certainly is uh, an option. And then we also, a couple of weeks ago, have uh, signed Hernan Perez to a minor league deal, and he's down in Nashville. Um, he's played everywhere, and so he can always come up, fill a spot, and spell late in games. But as far as a right-handed starter goes for a left-handed um, pitcher, I'm kind of at a loss for who they might have on their roster currently to fill in. I think that we will probably see someone in the trade market. Yeah, I think that's ultimately the direction this may go, and because this is going to be an extended period of time for Hira down in the minor leagues now, which which is really good timing because he can spend at least all of June there, maybe even part of July, which brings you right up to the trade deadline. So you can kind of see if Hira's swing is starting to come around. And if it is, well, you're going to have to take a gamble on him then at some point if it is and bring that right-handed bat back up. But if it isn't, then then yeah, Dan Vogelbach is, is coming around, like you said. I think he gives just a really good at-bat. He's a really patient hitter. He draws a lot of walks. He's at 14% this year. He was at 16% 2019, that all-star year uh, with Seattle. Uh, so... I mean, if Hira doesn't turn around and the Brewers don't have confidence in him, then, yeah, I think ultimately they go to the trade market. There has been some talks. Um, everyone's talking about trying to free Zach Green out of the minor leagues. <laughs> he has some played some first base, primarily a third baseman, which we also now have a, a sudden need for again with, with Shaw out. Um, so he could be an option, but his major league experience is not – very vast. It's very limited, and he's he's raked in AAA, but there's no guarantee that's going to happen in the majors. Well, and, you know, everyone saying freeze that green, and a lot of people that I see do that are also the same people that talk about how on-base percentage is, is overrated, but on-base percentage is what you really got to look at. And his on-base percentage is 309 in AAA right now, which is not not great um his his slugging percentage is fantastic 552 so his ops is 861 which looks fantastic but when most of that is coming from the slugging percentage and the on-base percentage is that low i think that we would bring him up and he would he would be um in a very bad position yeah, I get completely what you're saying about, and I think the weird part, if we were going to bring him up, now is the time before the trade deadline, because you you might lose something, but you can at least send him down to the minor leagues, and then you still have the trade market option available, so this is a really weird time for the Brewers, and I think eventually they're going to have to, to try him, I, I think that's all you can really do. And I really hope they do, I'm not saying that he shouldn't come up at some point, because he's obviously got pop in his bat and the brewers definitely need that but what i'm saying is that i think that people need to kind of calm themselves when it comes to zach green he's not going to come up here and get on he's not going to have an on-base percentage of 350 or above he he's going to strike out a lot he's going to hit some home runs it'll be very entertaining at times but he's going to go through periods of uh, not hitting as well and we all know what Milwaukee fans are like when anyone goes through a slump longer than two games. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm guilty of that sometimes too, so it happens. <laughs> um, so 
Someone who is definitely not in a slump is Willie Adamas. He had six hits this series against the Reds. He had a second four-hit game as a Milwaukee Brewer. This trade just looks even more and more great by the day. Uh, he's really been a catalyst for this team. I'm interested to get your thoughts on him. Yeah, you know, we were just talking about Brewer social media fans, and I remember when this trade went down. Oh, man. <laughs> because people love JP, and they love uh, Rasmussen as well they should. They were both great guys, and they are very good pitchers. But we needed a shortstop. Um, Urias wasn't cutting it. And we go get this guy, Willie Adamas, and you look. And I looked at his stats at the trade deadline, and even I was like, Ooh, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe they know something I don't, because this doesn't look very stellar. But <laughs> well, it's not why, Tropicana Field, so. <laughs> well, exactly. That's why Stearns is making millions, and I am not. He has been such a great addition to the team. He shored up the shortstop position very well. You don't have to worry about the bros or the ground balls or the hard plays getting through. And then, at least to me, the pleasant surprise has been the bat. He has had some pop in the bat in the past, um, but a Miller Park is a much more hitter-friendly park than Tropicana Field. And I think that what the trade is going to end up being is a win-win for all three players that were involved, where Feierheisen and Rasmussen are going to a pitcher's park where they can better showcase their talent, and Adamus is now at Miller Park where his uh, hitting will be on better display than it was before. But the most important part of the trade, in my opinion, has been the joy that he has brought back to the Brewers' dugout. All season long, even on that early streak that we were on, and we were at 17 and 10, first in the division, it didn't look like they were having fun. And then they went on that losing slide, and then they definitely weren't having fun. And then Willie Adams comes in, and it's almost like the 2018 crew again, where everybody is smiling and laughing and playing practical jokes on each other. And I think that he brought that with him. I remember seeing a tweet from uh, the Rays organization that when they told the Rays clubhouse that Adamus had been traded, they all thought it was a joke because they didn't believe that they would trade him away because he was such a good clubhouse guy. <laughs> That's such a sad joke. My goodness. <laughs> But yeah, you're right. It's like it's so hard to come into a situation where he doesn't know any of these guys and he just goes out there and bees himself and like everything he said, brings that energy, that enthusiasm and really turns the morale around uh, on the field and in the clubhouse. So definitely a very, very good leader at such a young age. I'm glad we got club control over him for like what the next three years. So mm -hmm. definitely, definitely a good, good thing there, no matter what ends up happening. Uh, but let's dial it back here to this Reds series. Um, we do got some players to talk about, and let's kind of start with the guys who impressed us. So I want you to pick a series MVP for me. All right. Um, my series MVP is um, Big Dan Vogelbach. Hit 333 in the series. Uh, two home runs, three RBI. He walked as much as he struck out. 
he's uh, just become such a good part of the lineup. His defense doesn't suck this year over at first base either. And I just feel like he's Mr. Reliable. And he was Mr. Reliable in this series. Yeah, I mean, he had two home runs in each of the final two games. And one of them was a high pitch that he just muscled way out. And I think the other one was against the left-handed pitcher as well. So we're talking a little bit about that. Uh, For me, I don't know. It's hard. Like we said, starting pitching wasn't really good. We used a lot of different bullpen arms. Um, and from an, from an offensive standpoint, I'm just going to go with the guy who produced the most run production in the series, and that was Avisil Garcia. He was 413 with four RBIs, did have one homer. He has been really good from a run production standpoint since May and continued to do so in this series with some timely hitting. So really good to see him build upon that. Um, otherwise, honorable mention-wise, for me, who impressed me, we talked about Adamas and his six hits. Uh, that was impressive. Brad Boxberger continued to be really good. Two innings that were both scoreless, struck out three. I'll agree with you, Brett Suter was really good. Um, so those are some of the other guys who stuck out to me. You know, I think what's really important, too, to point out is Yelich only went one for eight, but he walked six times. Like, I was looking at his numbers today, and obviously the batting average isn't what it was before he broke his knee, but his on-base percentage is approaching 400. And I think that's a really important thing for this Brewers offense, is that if he's getting on early in games and at the top of the lineup, he's going to score. Especially with Garcia hitting like he's hitting, like you said. Um, and Adamas is batting low in the order too, and he's hitting well. So uh, it's just really nice to see that he's seeing the ball well. For sure. Cause like last year, I felt like he just kind of stopped swinging cause his confidence was down. But this year you can see he's actually seeing the ball, putting together some good at bat. So definitely yeah. a much different Yelich, uh, in that regard. How about series dud? Who are you least impressed with? <laughs> I don't know. I, I hate to speak ill of the injured, but Shaw was <laughs> was really struggling um, before he got hurt. He did have that big double um, to drive in some runs in, I think it was the first game. But other than that, um, three strikeouts and just was not, he's not hitting well this year. And um, he did, he's been solid over at third base though. The defense has been really good good clubhouse guy too so the the loss and the injury is is that's going to be tough um but then i'll also throw out the name jace peterson like i said before he's not my favorite guy to fill our big league roster and i just don't understand what they what they see in him that they keep on bringing him up i think it's that he can play multiple positions and he certainly does go through some short streaks of very good uh, hitting, but it's like we know what we're you know what you're getting, and it's it's going to be some guy who's going to be down in Nashville next week, and like you said, we need someone who's going to fill this void over the long haul. So what are we doing here? <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't know what's the deal with on base, Jace. <laughs> that, that's about all he really contributes for the most part. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, series dud for me. I'm going to go with Brett Anderson. We mentioned his 
struggles as of late. Only went three innings in this in his start. Did give up or get tagged with four earned runs. He had a, a miscue in the first inning. Right after we got some, we got a first inning run, he had a lead, and then just kind of fell apart in the first inning. Had a miscue with Dan Vogelbach on who was going to cover first base, and then the next play later, he had an E1 threw it right at his foot, and that really set the tone for that second game, and everything just kind of down spiraled after that. So that's my reasoning for my dud there. But yeah, otherwise, we have the Pirates coming up next. They have lost their last four games in a row, and they actually have the worst run differential in baseball at minus 81. So we just got done playing the Diamondbacks not that long ago, who have the second worst run differential. And now we go to the divisional opponent, the Pirates. So it's going to be exciting. We have our horses going first, Woodruff and Burns. I think that's going to be good to see, but... Anything in particular you're looking for in this Pirate series over the weekend? Do you remember a few years ago when Pittsburgh, you saw Pittsburgh on the schedule and it was an automatic win? I sure would like to get back to that. Ever since that year, a few years ago, where they were a borderline playoff team, though, they have played us incredibly tough. So I'm looking for a very tough series. I think they took two out of three from us earlier this year if I'm not mistaken. I think so. Um, uh, just an incredibly tough series. Uh, you, you can look on them at, on paper like I did in our first series against them, and I was like, I'm just going to take my broom with me to work, and it was rough. And so I'm expecting a really tough series. I do like that uh, Woodruff and Burns are starting off because that always makes me super confident of at least a series win with those two in it. I um, am hoping to see Avi, all-star Avi, continue to rake. I hope that he continues uh, this run production that he's on because I sure would like to see him in the all-star game. I think that he is uh, very deserving of, of at least some consideration. And um, I'd kind of like to see a little bit of a bounce back from Omar Narbai as who had a quiet series in Cincinnati, but I'd like to see that pick up a little bit in Pittsburgh. Yeah, I think you've nailed the Pirates thing right on the head because they're just full of young, hungry players that just don't t- they don't take anything for granted, and that's we can't walk into the series like that, like you were talking about. So yeah, they always play us tough. I I hate playing the Pirates for that reason over the last couple of years as well. So, I'd like, yeah, I'd like to see Woodruff Burns take care of business, and then Sunday, you know, if you get the sweep, you're ecstatic, and if it doesn't go that way, you know, you're not you're not too upset heading into Monday. So, that's always my take on it. But thanks for joining me here, Robin. This was a lot of fun. Before we get out of here, can you just remind my listeners where they can find all the work that you do? Yeah, um, I mean, on Twitter, at the other Adams 14 I uh, write over president of wisconsin sports heroics and i also am the lead wisconsin writer over at borderfuelsports.com. border fuel uh, so lots of good stuff out there and um hope for a brewers uh first place uh all the way through the season nice and easy <laughs> no, no stress for my summer please <laughs> if that'll happen you're a miracle worker <laughs> All right, well, thanks for joining me here again. Make sure you vote Brewers, vote Avi, like you said, and we'll have to do this again another time. 
Absolutely. Thank you.